Hello, everyone, and welcome to the debut of the AEW Rampage Late Night Rager, recapping the highs and lows from the series premiere of AEW Rampage on TNT. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 81 of Receptopia draws to a close. Happy Saturday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW winds down. And what a debut for AEW Rampage and going forward starting next weekend you will get a double dose of SmackDown and Rampage to get you through a very busy SummerSlam weekend and the return of CM Punk, presumably to boot in Chicago. But you're going to get the SmackDown wind down a little later this weekend or Monday morning due to my local Fox affiliate preempting SmackDown due to NFL preseason football. And I am not the only market affected by these preemptions. So after this week, we should be clear and ready to go to bring SmackDown and Rampage together officially. And I thought Rampage was a very exciting show from beginning to end. The Pittsburgh crowd was absolutely hot for everything, especially their hometown hero, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, who delivered the goods in the main event, which I'll get to shortly. But this was an easy breezy hour to get through. But as always, we have to have some pros and cons regarding any television show debut. And last night was no exception, as I really love the theme music for Rampage. Very hip hop in nature, love the beat, setting the tone for the show. We have a four man announced team and this is four men too many in my estimation we have mark henry chris jericho taz and excalibur and a part of me really enjoyed mark henry's enthusiasm as a fan that cares about everything that is invested in the outcome and can be shocked when need be but he had a case of the first night jitters as he's never done this before as a commentator or a backstage interviewer. And I am not going to say he's not fit for the job because most people have a case of nervousness to start anything brand new. And he's never done this on national television before. And he's a seasoned performer as a promo guy and a wrestler, but as a commentator and backstage interviewer, not so much. And I really wished he got some training on dark and elevation to get him more prepared for this moment. But I think he will get better in time. I truly believe that in my heart. It happens to the best of us. I remember starting this podcast a year and a half ago, and that first episode of The Raw Verdict was a fucking disaster. The edits were terrible. I was nervous as fuck because, hey, I am putting myself out there for the world to listen to and judge. And you guys kept coming back, fortunately, because you liked what you heard. And I got more and more comfortable in my skin and really growing into my voice as a podcaster that loves this so much. And I know that Mark Henry feels the exact same way. He's a scout. He's a fan. He really is immersed in the product and he will get better in time. So I don't doubt that whatsoever. As for Chris Jericho, he was really good last year with Tony Schiavone when they did those batch of tapings in Atlanta for Dynamite during the early days of the pandemic. And he infused his humor along with his insightfulness as a wrestler to add to the commentary. But in this setting, he is so over the top that he thinks yelling equals emotion. It does not. There is a fine balance between being really excited and being over the top. And he crossed that line a few times last night. He got a little bit more mellow towards the end of the episode, but... He 
he needs to tone it down a bit because it really detracts away from the groove everybody's trying to get in on commentary. And Taz, he's awesome. He's been doing this for a very long time, dating back to his time in WWE. So he is, besides Excalibur, the most experienced behind that desk. But if we're going to do a three-man booth moving forward, Excalibur should be the voice of Rampage. Mark Henry can be a great color commentator, and Taz can be a hybrid of being a commentator and a play-by-play guy as well. So hopefully in due time, Jericho can be weeded out from the mix so we can allow Henry, Excalibur, and Taz to really gel as a commentary team. Commentary aside, I thought this was a very strong hour of professional wrestling. It breezed by quickly, and I hope it's like this every single week. They have the benefit of a very hot show in Chicago next Friday night with the presumed debut of CM Punk, and that is going to be a moment seven and a half years in the making. And from there, it's going to be taped for a week, then back live just in time for the go-home show for All Out on September 5th, and that should be a very exciting weekend in the shy but after that it's all about new york new jersey for the month of september and it's going to be crazy and rampage is right in the thick of it and i think it's safe to say that friday nights between smackdown and rampage is going to be a big old party heading into the fall of smackdown remains consistently good most weeks and rampage remains a marquee show under the aaw umbrella because the one thing you don't want to do is turn rampage into dark light because when you add an extra show, that tends to happen a lot, and we don't want that to be the case. It took SmackDown 20 years to stop being the dreaded blue-haired stepsister of the WWE television ecosystem, and now they are the A-show, and I want Rampage to be at least a solid A-minus right beside Dynamite every Friday night, which gives me added incentive to review the show with some TLC. And with that, let's take a deep dive into last night's premiere of Rampage Live from the Peterson Event Center in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And we kick things off with the Impact Heavyweight Championship match featuring the champ Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage. And on Wednesday, the fans were not exactly excited that Christian Cage was facing Kenny Omega for the AEW World Championship at All Out on Sunday, September 5th. But he won them over when he challenged Omega for the Impact Championship. And Kenny was very hesitant to accept. But he had no choice because Scott Demore and Tony Khan put the match in motion. And here we are. And I have been a critic of Christian Cage since his debut in AEW. Because in WWE prior to the concussion seven years ago, he wrestled the house down all the time. And when he came to AEW, he said he was going to outwork everyone. And for a while, that moniker was not exactly being lived up to. But let me tell you something. Last night, Christian Cage showed up and showed out in Pittsburgh. He delivered his best performance to date in AEW. And Kenny Omega continues to prove why he is one of the best in the world today. And the one little nugget I did like about the commentary team last night was describing the style of Christian versus Omega and that Christian is going to be very chill and mellow. He's not going to get overly emotional. He's going to be rock steady. Meanwhile, Kenny Omega is a bit more erratic, a little hot-headed, and he will be overly emotional at times. And he will go in his cheat bag in order to steal the victory by any means necessary. And last night was no exception to that rule. And early on, 
Christian had Kenny off his feet a bit, had him rattled. Christian flipped him the bird and says, fuck you, I got you on the ropes. And he did at one point, Kenny went for a baseball slide, but Christian beat him back in the ring and drop kicked him into the barricade in a great spot. And from there, Christian was really putting Kenny to work. Meanwhile, Don Callis provides an ever so brief distraction, which allows Kenny to shove Christian off the top rope and onto the floor as we go picture in picture. We come back and Kenny is still in control until Christian delivers a sunset flip powerbomb to Omega in an awesome spot that pop the fans. Christian is in control. He delivers 20 punches in the corner to Kenny Omega, followed by a top rope European uppercut for a good measure. Eventually, Kenny does try to regain control by reversing Christian's kill switch engage into You Can't Escape. But Christian goes for a reverse DDT and a spear, which is countered with a jumping knee from Kenny Omega, followed by another V-trigger, a power bomb, and the one winged angel. But Christian is able to counter out of it and avoid another knee strike from Kenny Omega as Christian does his very cool duck like a matrix move as Kenny goes into the corner and he knees a turnbuckle instead. And from there, Christian is able to hit a spear on Kenny Omega for an outstanding fall. Shout out to Edge. How are you doing this evening, sir? As Christian goes for the kill switch, but Kenny is able to counter with not one, but two snapdragon suplexes. And he sets up Christian for the V-trigger, but Christian is able to duck it and he snaps the back of Kenny neck against the ropes goes to the top rope, hits a picture-perfect frog splash for another near fall. At this point, Don Callis hops on the apron to provide a distraction. And that distraction allows Kenny Omega to deliver a low blow to Christian. And then the fashionably bougie young bucks show up with a steel chair. And Kenny Omega is going to use the steel chair as a weapon against Christian behind the referee's back. A very long distraction and Christian is able to use the steel chair to his advantage by rolling out of the one-winged angel once again to hit the kill switch on Kenny on the chair. And the bump Kenny took face first on the seat of the chair was sick. Christian tosses the chair out to dispose of the evidence. The referee counts one, two, three, and Kenny Omega has been pinned and defeated on the debut episode of Rampage, which needed to happen to give Christian any level of credibility heading into All Out for the AEW World Championship. And he is now double belted as the Impact and TNA Heavyweight Champion. What a Rampage moment. The first Rampage surprise in its debut episode. And Jurassic Express's Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy come out to celebrate. It's a wonderful moment. And Chris Jericho is screaming a lot. (laughs) But Christian worked his ass off. This was his greatest performance in AEW to date. Shut up every critic, including myself, who had some doubt about will this work as the runner-up guy to Hangman Page. But we know Hangman is going to be a dad very soon. And he's taking time off. And that explains the last-minute switcheroo. But Christian was able to step up in a big way. And to kind of calm those fears as whether or not this is going to be the right choice heading into All Out. And as of right now, it's the perfect choice. Kenny is no longer four belts Omega. He's down to two championship belts. 
By the time the weekend is done, he could be down to one as he is heading to Triple Mania today to face Andrade Idolo for the AAA Mega Heavyweight Championship. And he could be one belt Omega by the time this is all said and done. And it's a smart way to kind of debelt Kenny slowly but surely as things start to unravel. And eventually, when Hangman does come back, once we get past the buzz of CM Punk and possibly Daniel Bryan debuting in AEW, this will finally make sense in the end. And I trust AEW, but I don't like the false teases of the what ifs early on. If you're going to go there, go there when it's time because the cock teasing can be a bit much, but... I have full faith in the creative process in AEW to be patient, painstakingly so, but this was a fantastic moment for Christian Cage, and he gets to go back to his old stopping grounds of Impact Wrestling, double-belted, and dare I say more over than he was the first time around well over 15 years ago. So congrats to him. What a way to kick off the show. Everybody in Pittsburgh was into the action from beginning to end, and I loved it. It really elevated how special this match was. And now I cannot wait to see Christian and Omega again for the AEW World Championship in Chicago. If they deliver this last night, I can only imagine where they're going to do it all out in a few weeks' time on pay-per-view and Bleacher Report. Next up is Frego Del Sol versus Miro, God's favorite champion and the Redeemer for the TNT Championship. And Frego Del Sol hit not one, not two, but three Tornado DDTs on Miro. The second one actually took Miro out of the ring and the referee initiated a 10 count. And the referee counted to nine and a half and Miro got in the ring at the last minute. And Frego was going for a fourth Tornado DDT and Miro blocked it with a Samoan drop. A sick Mashka kick followed by the game over submission that folded Frego like an accordion for the submission victory. This was a very fun match while it lasted. The false hope of Frego possibly winning a contract and the TNT Championship was a nice hook. The fans were so into Frego Del Sol. And he is a cult-like figure in AEW due to his appearances on Sammy Guevara's vlog series on YouTube and his appearances on Dark and Dark Elevation as well. He's really good. But to quote Sammy, he's 1 in 50 in his matches, but he tries. He's a trier, damn it. And you got to respect it. I did laugh, admittedly, at Chris Jericho saying he had no idea that Mobile, Alabama was a hotbed for luchadors. I'm like, that is true. You don't find a lot of luchadors in Alabama. And Frego Del Sol definitely breaks the mode in that regard. And then Miro rips up the contract of Frego, which makes everybody sad. And we come back from commercial break. And Frego is still in the ring, very sad and depressed. So are we. And Sammy Guevara comes out alongside Tony Khan, who has a clipboard. And I know where this is going. I got an immediate flashback to last year's Cruiserweight Tournament on NXT and Drake Maverick lost to Santos Escobar, El Fantasma at the time, before the Hill turn, and Triple H awarded Drake a contract despite losing, and Drake legit got fired in WWE last year during the first round of pandemic cuts, got his job back during the tournament, pretty sweet moment, and this time around, Sammy Guevara says, dude, listen, you're 1-50, in 50, but you try every week. We see your hard work. And now, officially, Frego Del Sol, you are all elite. And Frego hugs Sammy. It's a wonderful moment. The crowd pops. I'm happy because Frego is a cult-like figure. 
that is going to get over sparingly on television. There is no doubting that whatsoever. And I can sense Frego having one good day besides the contract signing, but one good day in terms of picking up a win against a name wrestler that pops the crowd something fierce. And that day should be a ways away, but it should be a special moment nonetheless as Frego is really over with the people. And it's an awesome thing to see when hard work truly pays off in the best possible way. And now it is time for our main event in Britsburg, or shall I say Pittsburgh, as it's Dr. Britt Baker, DMD versus Red Velvet, ready to stir it up against the champ for the title. And the fans got their terrible towels waving. It's all black and yellow. Gotta love the vibe in Pittsburgh. And Britt Baker is the hometown hero, the champ, and she is over, ladies and gentlemen. And Red Velvet played the de facto heel. She went after the injured wrist of Britt Baker. She delivered a coat breaker at one point. She put it in various arm bars and submissions. She stomped on the wrist as well as the fans booed. Rebels out there causing trouble. At one point, the referee ejected Rubble from the match and the fans booed. And that was expected because... On this night, Britt is a babyface in her hometown, even though she's trying to use heelish tactics to gain advantage of a situation. Well, Velvet goes up top, hits a moonsault for a near fall, but Britt counters with the curb stomp a few moments later, goes for the lockjaw, and at that moment, Red Velvet is avoiding the glove and the bad wrist, and she stumps the wrist, and the fans boo once again, and Red Velvet goes for the lockjaw herself, and the fans are booing, trying to beat Britt with her own move, and Britt is able to readjust, but she cannot use her bad wrist, so she uses her left hand to put in Velvet's mouth, and she makes Velvet tap to retain the championship. The crowd is going crazy. What a wonderful rampage moment. The first ever main event featuring the ladies for the championship besides the unsanctioned match between Baker and Thunder earlier this year on Dynamite. And the fans are loving Britt Baker. And then Britt decides to heal it up by delivering a swinging net breaker to Velvet. And she's going for a curb stomp on the championship. And Chris Statlander, who's sitting at ringside the entire time, gets in the ring to stop her, and the fans are booing. And now at this point, I go back to my argument a few weeks ago, and even a few days ago right here on the podcast, talking about Britt Baker dancing a very delicate dance regarding being a quasi-baby face. Yes, she's a face in her hometown, but at the end of the day, she is a heel through and through. And the baby face is getting booed, and from there... We have a hooded lady enter the ring, and it turns out to be Jamie Hayter, who was around AEW during the early days of the show prior to the pandemic, and she's aligned with the good doctor now, and they beat down Chris Statlander and Red Velvet, and the fans don't know what to think because they're not that familiar with Jamie Hayter, and then Britt still goes for the stomp on Red Velvet on the belt as Rampage goes off the air, and even though they're happy, They're like, well, this was a little bit too heat-seeking even for us. (laughs) And I have to agree because this is a very, very tricky situation. Britt Baker is incredibly popular as a character, and she's managed to get herself over and reach superstar status. That's fantastic. And it was a choice for her to garner this kind of heel heat 
in her hometown when it should be cheers all around and trust and believe they were still in the moment, but they were kind of at the end because they did not know what to think. Like this was a bridge too far, but it's a reminder that she is a heel. She is not a good person. Yes. She cuts really good promos and she's good in the ring and she impresses all the time, but at her core, she is a heel and she has backup now in the form of Jamie Hayter, who is a heel. So we need to make that perfectly clear that she is not a good person. She is a bad guy and she needs to start generating heel heat. It was a choice to do so in Pittsburgh because they love her so much. But this needs to be the beginning of I am that bitch that you should not like. I am going to come for your favorite baby faces and you should cheer them and hope they whoop my ass. That is the kind of heat she needs to get for herself now. She did it early on last year in cities across this country prior to things shutting down. She can do it again. She has to at this point because despite how over she is, she has got to get heat on herself because otherwise she is going to bulldoze over the entire babyface side of the AEW women's division. And that is very counterproductive at the end of the day. And even though it was a choice to do this angle in her hometown, in some ways it needed to be done to remind people she is not a fighting babyface. She is a heel through and through who is willing to cheat at all times, plain and simple. And AEW needs to reinforce that every week to make it clear, to kind of subdue the cheers. Chris Jericho was able to do it for well over a year until he turned face late last year. It's possible to be hated and reviled. It's doable. It depends on how you finesse it. And Brit is more than capable of pulling it off. And this is a wake-up call That was sorely needed to remind fans that Britt Baker, DMD, is an H-E-E-L, heel, all day, every day. And with that, this wraps up the first ever Rampage on TNT. What a fun show. The hour just zipped by, and I hope it's that way every Friday night moving forward. And in some ways, this is a very tight show, a bit more tighter than Dynamite. I wish that was more streamlined for their Wednesday show not to be so busy, but it's a nice way to top off a very busy Friday night. And Friday is going to be wrestling night very soon. It was Wednesdays at one point with the next TNA W going head to head with the war for a year and a half. And now it's SmackDown and AEW, not versus necessarily because it's not head to head, but providing quality shit every Friday to get you ready for the weekend. And you got to love it as the good times keep rolling next weekend with the go home show for SmackDown and the presumed debut of CM Punk at the United Center in Chicago, Illinois, for episode number two of Rampage. Oh, what a night it will be indeed. And on that note, this wraps up the AEW Rampage Late Night Rager, recapping the highs and lows from the debut of Rampage on TNT. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can follow me on social media at Later Wrestling X on Twitter and on Instagram at WrestleSubtopia. There you can find me tweeting and gramming about these shows that drop on the semi-daily recapping Monday Night Raw, NXT, AEW Dynamite, Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, and AEW Rampage on TNT. As always, you can download past episodes on all of your favorite podcast directories dating back to season one as we get ready for Rampage episode number two featuring the presumed debut of CM Punk in Chicago. 
to go alongside a very busy SummerSlam and TakeOver weekend. For WWE, you know what to do. Search WrestleTopia and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Plus, Amazon Alexa, and Spotify. I'll be back no later than Monday morning with episode number 77 of the SmackDown Wind Down, recapping the highs and lows from Friday Night SmackDown on Fox. Until then, enjoy your Saturday, Sunday, and your manic Monday. Stay safe out there, and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.